contraceptive manipulative. He's also a former social worker and a political campaign activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Welcome to our very first podcast. You are listening to the Eerie Americas. My name is Christy Hull. I'm Vicky Ayala. So we are two friends for over a decade and we've had a obsession and that's a very putting it very lightly yeah, obsession obsession just like the nicer word for right it. absolutely we've had an obsession with serial killers with unsolved mysteries paranormal with alien abduction basically anything stuff. that you're like what the hell is going on that's what we want to talk about um <laughs> so that's kind of our style on this show Listener discretion is advised as this show we're going to be discussing murder and, you know, maybe if your kid is listening, we might give them a nightmare or two or her. So we get into gory details. We so will go I into details. So if let you, them listen, especially. And if you are somebody that is highly anxious, um, we highly recommend that uh, you take this in stride and see how you feel. We are going to try to keep it as light as possible while respecting Thanks. the victims and the situation and the circumstances. And um, we've decided to call this the Eerie Americas because as we were doing our research, we kind of realized that crazy stuff not only happens in the United States because, you know, all these serial killers you always hear about from America, United States. We're looking around and also we we have um, Latin backgrounds. So know our crazy stories and our countries and crazy things have come from all over the place. So we decided to consent it down to the Americas. So for those who will one day email us or call us when we're talking about a Canadian serial killer or a weird ritual from Trinidad and Tobago or... Why are you covering Peru? Uh, we don't want an email saying, well, why are you guys covering and you guys are the eerie Americas. We are just going to give you a very general Wikipedia definition of what the Americas is. So by definition, according to Wikipedia, it is... The almighty Wikipedia. Yes. Because, you know, it's 100% always accurate. it's on Wikipedia, accurate. it's true. It's real, you know, according to The Office anyway. Oh, by the way, if you're not Office fans, you're not going to like the show. Like, And if you get easily offended, you're not going to like the show because we joke around a lot. Yeah. Even when talking about murder. Yeah. And we fucking curse like sailors. So we're just giving you the heads up right now. Um, so we anyways. just lost all our listeners. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you, Outer Space. This is our first and last episode. <laughs> Bye. Is there anybody out there? Oh, eerie music here. <laughs> so, oh, anyway. So, the Americas is a, comprise the totality of continents of North and South America. Together, they make up most of the lands, Earth's, most of the land in Earth's Western Hemisphere and comprise the New World. So, that includes 35 countries. These are multiple languages. There's all these different wonderful things that you can learn to Wikipedia if you're awful at geography, which you should be ashamed of yourself because you should have a general sense of the world map. But um, these are some of the countries that would be included in this. So we have obviously the United States. We have Canada. Of course. Mexico. Peru. South, anything in South America. Guyana. Trinidad and Tobago. My country, Dominican Republic. Well, then we're going to mention my country, Colombia. Jamaica. Uh, Nicaragua. Panama. St. Bartholomew. And remember that the U.S. also includes the U.S. Virgin Islands and other U.S. territories. So don't ask us why we're covering Puerto Rico when it's not a country. <laughs> because it belongs. 
belongs to the U.S. We will occasionally maybe bring this up again just to ensure that. Just because I'm sure someone is still going to ask why we're covering Canada. <laughs> so we'll cover it again. But as long as we're getting questions, it means you were semi-listening. So we welcome questions. Good Please news. don't just Good stop s- listening. Good stuff, man. So, uh, Vicky, question for you. When did your obsession, quote unquote, I, 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 there has to be a larger, we just aren't We're going to find out but, the um, word for beyond when obsession. When did your obsession begin? This is a good question because I was actually trying to figure that out myself recently because nobody else in my family is really obsessed. But with talking to my mother and my sister and something I vaguely remember that happened when I was four, Mm. I was living in a building in Brooklyn, where we come from. We're going to shout out Brooklyn a lot. Um, So we were living in a building and there was a deaf couple that lived upstairs. Not a couple, but there were some friends that lived upstairs and they had a party and there was a lot of drugs. There was some cocaine and one of them apparently in like a crazy cocaine rage killed his other roommate in a bathtub. And then he goes into the bedroom and stabs two people sleeping in their beds and they survive. Then one of the other people at the party knocked on my aunt's door. My aunt was too scared to look, so knocked on our door. And I know that my dad and my mom went upstairs to check and my sister because she's 10 years older than me. And I was too young to go, obviously, but I remember the blood because blood has a very distinct smell. That's what I remember. So I remember this situation and I kind of thought I made it up. And then when I talked to my mom, when we were talking about starting this podcast, she was like, yeah, that totally happened. And then I looked it up and there's an article about it. So I think it started when I was four and almost accidentally walked into a murder scene. Wow, that's really creepy. <laughs> Maybe that has something to do with your your whole I want to be a nurse thing. So you're I, I am not grossed out by blood or brains or guts by or the anything. way vicky's hella smart she's gonna be an or nurse in between oh now take, i have to do it because you said it on I, the I, podcast i'm taking time where she's taking her precious time studying to do a podcast so we can discuss murder so yeah that's our life now so um i think for me how it began actually weirdly enough i've always had a slight interest because growing up my mom loved like crime we were in the 90s so there was no what do you mean you monitor what your kids watch what do you mean you she loves like criminal minds like she's always been obsessed with that so i grew up watching that even if i wasn't watching it was in the background so i think but the definitive moment where i was like whoa this like crazy stuff happens was actually i was maybe no i was about to be 13 living in dominican republic i lived there on and off through my childhood and um we lived where we faced a major parkway it wasn't quite a highway but it's huge like it's kind of the entrance to like the belt that's kind of how like extensive it is which if you know brooklyn you know we only have one yeah exactly (laughs) and so it's kind of like the on-ramp into the belt and i have never experienced brooklyn specifically um i would say it's probably about um a hundred yards long or in width yeah, so only having one highway, it's not very wide. Absolutely. So I'm facing where the traffic is kind of surpassing me. So I'm seeing all these cars going south and I'm kind of facing the west. So I'm kind of watching all these car- cars come and um, I notice a man in the kind of like, what's that area called? Like the strip where there's grass and like there's like the concrete. A median? Yeah, that's it. But anyway, so we're, we're kind of crossing. So he's standing across in this barrier and he tries to 
wait until all this traffic's passing and the sun's going down so it's getting harder for him to see and i'm i'm in a rocking chair because I, I don't know if anyone anyone listening to this podcast knows that if you've been outside of a resort most people hang out outside of their their patios and just kind of right. sit in rocking chairs so and i'm watching this interaction and they're all like we're kind of faced circularly so i'm i have full view of everything going on so i'm watching this and this man crosses and i guess he didn't see a car coming and this car came at him going about maybe 55 miles an hour i i it was just far enough because i was about 200 yards away where i didn't see like his face but i saw blood i saw what happened that's a really that's a way to get into this and i was completely shocked and not only was i shocked but this is a third world country (laughs) the guy doesn't get out he hits him and takes off and then another car comes and hits him so this guy's getting run over repeatedly and at this point, I'm like, mom, mom, I'm freaking out. She turns around and she's like, let's call, let's call police. You know, so they're calling the cops. I'm watching this whole thing. A motorcycle guy stops, pulls him back to the barrier, like to the little plot of land and just drives off. So this poor guy like, gets get off the street, run over. Somebody moves go. the corpse and then just continues on with their day. And this sure. was 1999. So this was, you know, like it's still a fresh time, especially in Dominican Republic. It's still barbaric there in terms of the standard of living it was insane so the cops come and like i asked the cops what's going to happen to this guy and they're like if no one claims his body he's going to be a john doe and he's going to end up at a university as a cadaver and when i thought to myself this was a person that if they don't get claimed he's going to become this shell experiment (laughs) like so it just became this really embedded thing that happened to me and after that i started looking into unsolved murders and unsolved this because I knew that the cops weren't going to do anything about this. You know what I mean? He got ran over repeatedly. No one stopped. There's no forensic team. This is a third world country, you know? So it was, it was pretty intense. And like, I couldn't sleep that night. And after that, I just kind of, it fueled into, instead of me having this traumatic experience, I was curious. I wanted to know more about, you know, the psychology, like how can you kill somebody and just take off? I couldn't sleep that night watching it happening. I can't imagine being the person that did did this to somebody. And then just goes home and they're like, even though we are obsessed with this super gory and dark thing, I don't want people to think we're like psychotic. We're not. We have (laughs) sympathy. We're totally respectful of the victims. We're not going to idolize anybody. I remember that body i remember this man's face that's how much i respect him i might never remember i'll never know his name i never knew what happened but i will always remember that man's face because that was like a big pivotal moment for me and it changed who i was and it concerned my mother because the following year i was visiting my dad he was living in california at the time and my stepmom i had told her i'm super interested in this stuff now and so she happens to be too so she gave me all these books like this like doctor that attempted to kill his wife even though she escaped and like it's this crazy story so i'm reading them i'm soaking them up on my vacation in cali when i fly back to the dominican republic my mom finds all these books and is furious and threw them out and to this day i still ask her did you throw the books out because of what it was entailing or did you throw it out because you were mad of who gave it to me because you know (laughs) i'm gonna go with a little bit of both and that's because your mom is also totally into this so i really feel like it (laughs) was exactly gave you the books like if someone's gonna give you books on serial killers to read on vacation it's gonna gonna be be me. me And that's, that's a total Latina mom thing. It though. really, like, anyone that listens to this and has a Latin mom will understand this perspective. And my stepmother is not Latina. So it, it was a real, it was a real jab, you know? <laughs> but then I come to find out that my mom has always had this obsession. I mean, I knew she liked like the investigation shows. I knew she liked it on right. the removal. She went to medical school, which is where she has this fascination with the biology and like right. human stuff. So like, I thought it was that level, but I come to find out when I'm telling her about this podcast that my mother actually wrote 
a killer when she was in high school. It was part of her little like rebellious phase, apparently, because she was re- I'm a first generation here. So she was born in Dominican Republic to them. Talking about this stuff is like the most anti-Catholic slash Christian thing you can do. It's like you can't be obsessed with these weird things. You can't talk about right. it. You know, it's that whole like. You know, that's disgusting. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? It's one of those interesting things, but I'm trying It's interesting to... that instead of rebelling like I did, which was, you know, normal stuff, I drank and did some drugs and scared <laughs> the shit out of my mother, your mom wrote to a, a murderer. Yeah, and a... I'm trying to find the, the, the murderer's name. I had Googled it the other day. She's Gary sec- Gilmore. I think she secretly was like, so she she's wrote, getting my obsession and she's going to write to a murderer in jail. So she wrote to Gary Gilmore and um, we'll probably talk about him on another podcast. But if you are interested, it's quite an interesting case. So he was totally guilty, by the way. I don't know why. <laughs> why? Why write to the one guy? She probably was like, I just want to piss off my mom. So I'm going to say hi. And you totally did it. But I'm going to say hi And it was anyway. like a scorned lover. And she like apparently sided with him. And I'm like, wow, mom, like talk about Good like not being a feminist, you know? <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> and she was like, it was more about rebellion than anything. And I'm like, fair enough, you know. So we all go through that. But anyways, this is um, some of the stuff we're going to talk about. But we're going to transition now. So Vicky has uh, graciously done some extensive research on a case here. And it's an unsolved murder. So we're going to give her our best undivided attention because this will be very interesting. That's no pressure at all. (laughs) So this is the murder of Dorothy Jane Scott. Dorothy Jane was a 32-year-old single mother. She had a four-year-old son named Sean. Uh, She lived in Stanton, California with her aunt. She was working as a secretary at a shop. Um, It was called Swinger's Psych Shop. And it was a store that her father previously owned. Didn't own it anymore, but he used to. Is there any facts that they were swingers? That would be so awesome. Wouldn't it? Like, that would just be, be like, like a, that would be something to find out, like, when you're running I mean, the family business and going through the paperwork and find out their parents. This? Um, this was in the 80s. Oh, so this was pre-internet. So this was basically, yeah. like, if they were swingers and they had a swinger shop, it was basically, like, their tender. Like, they could just swipe yes or no as the person walks in and Only be like, by the way, it, like, Friday, person. beanbag orgy. Like, right? Like, you know? Just at the back of the swing. <laughs> Interesting. Anyways. So, her parents uh, lived in Anaheim, California, which I'm guessing is close because they used to babysit a lot because she was working one of the things that i found in this research was a lot everybody said she worked really really hard to support her son the father was not involved Hmm. in the life Hmm. shock you're gonna hear my daddy issues guys i'm so sorry i have daddy issues. shocker shocker so shocked that the father we don't need to delve into my daddy issues the very first episode (laughs) but correction our daddy our daddy issues but we're gonna talk about this daddy issue because the father like was living his life in missouri totally ignoring the fact that he had a kid anyway according to her friends her family and her colleagues she was really religious and liked to stay indoors totally same because i don't go anywhere (laughs) yeah we live in the most exciting exciting city in the world and we do nothing and we netflix and chill every day and text each other about serial killers every day and the most exciting thing that i do is go to work and then go home and so and we have boring office jobs oh yeah Yeah. i don't go to an exciting job where i do anything that and i sit at a desk and i stare at my computer and we count the minutes to go home and then we text about the podcast and i do my research because my job is boring and dead and then I go home. So if you're not from New York or not from Brooklyn, and you're thinking that we're gonna have these super exciting lives, we and know. one and one of the things I promise you, if we do something cool, we will totally tell yeah, you because I'll we know you. everyone outside of New York City loves hearing about New York City. It's been the weirdest experience growing up here because 
I was, I, I'm a military kid, so I was born in California, but I was actually raised here from the early 80s, basically. My grandmother has lived in the same apartment in Flatbush since the 70s. So for, for me, it's it's not where I was born, it's where I'm from. So when I tell people I'm from Brooklyn, they're just like, there's always a follow-up question. It's never just well, like, Well, now cool. it is, because a couple of years ago, Brooklyn was not cool, and well, people heard you lived in Brooklyn. Two decades like, oh ago. God, you live who lived who lives in Brooklyn? We now it's like, Brooklyn. oh, Brooklyn. So cool. Oh my God, have you been here? No. The answer to all of your questions, if I've been there, is no. And I haven't been to the Statue of Liberty, and I haven't been to Ellis Island, and I haven't been to anything. Don't ask me. I don't know any directions. If you ask me for directions, I'm going to send you wherever. Because we're from New York. I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> Real New Yorkers don't go to those places. And if they do, they're being dragged by their Ohio or Florida or any midwest or other cities that think new york city is the coolest city's place and their relatives are dragging them there that's pretty much what happens exactly so no not me so just like dorothy jane i stay inside but unlike dorothy jane she attended church i do not because i'm a heathen Mm -hmm. um but she pretty much stayed indoors and attended church uh rather than going outside or attending social gatherings um it's said that she dated occasionally but her main focus was raising her son. Um, in the early months of 1980, Dorothy started receiving these anonymous phone calls at her job and at her aunt's home on a regular basis. Mm. And these calls went on for months. Um, it was a man unidentified and most of the time he would call up Dorothy and proclaim his, proclaim his love for her. Um, but other times he would threaten to murder her. So, so it was fucking either creepy. I, oh my God, I love you or I'm going to fucking kill you. So fucking creepy. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to have that like two or three years into your relationship, not some stalker. Right? Like, or, doesn't, or at least let me know who you to. are if you love me so much. Like, but get through the phases first, you know? He also admitted that he was stalking her. And proved this by providing details regarding what clothing she had on, her day-to-day activities at certain times throughout the day. Super fucking creepy. And this is like before people gave two shits about women. So even if she filed a complaint, they would just be like, oh, you're hysterical. What's Which, the guy's name? By the way, if you ever see me in the street and you use that word, I'm going to go absolutely nuts on you. So I hate that word. It's more offensive to me than any female name you can call me. Hysterical. No. Anyway. Do not tell me to relax. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Because I'm not going to relax. So two words. Don't Relax. Hysterical. No. So these calls are going on for months, but then there's one particular call that like really, really haunted her. The man called and told her that he is going to get her alone, all to himself, and dismember her into bits and pieces. So this is escalating quite a bit from yeah. I love you to I'm going to kill you and now I'm just going to fucking chop you up in pieces. God super fucking creepy so she i pray to god no one whoever this is i pray that this person never spawned any humans like i pray that no one that is a creepy fucking human i hope no human being have this human being has other little human beings running around. and just in case you guys are wondering when we're talking about spawning these humans we know that we're fucked up and i plan on not spawning any humans so there could be no more (laughs) vickies running around anywhere I hope that makes anybody feel better about that because I totally think you guys probably know I'm insane by now. And I'm not even halfway through my story. She hadn't really told anybody about the calls, but at this point, with this phone call, rightfully so, she alerts her parents and she even mentions to them that she recognized the voice, but she could not recall the name. Um, so the phone calls and the violent threats, now this is starting in the beginning months of 1980, so you're thinking January, February. Hmm. About May of 1980, she's so scared that she signs up for karate classes and is hmm. considering buying a gun. 
Wow. A week later, on Wednesday, May 28th, 1980, she starts feeling a bit safer. You know, she's taking these steps towards, you know, self-defense. But she's still kind of, like, unnerved. Um, so on this day, she goes to work early because she has a meeting at work. Drops her son off at her parents and... During the meeting, she notices that her co-worker, his name is Conrad Bostrin. I'm terrible at names, so I really suck at names. Um, So Conrad Bostrin looks like shit at work, has this red rash on his forearm. She, being this lovely, amazing person, because I don't give a shit what my co-workers look like, concerned for his well-being, she and another co-worker named Pam Heed take him to the, the hospital. On the way there, she stops by her parents' house, she changes her clothes, lets her family know, hey, I'm taking my co-worker because I'm a super awesome person and I'm taking my co-worker to the hospital. So they actually end up so spending nice. the entire day and night, which I also wouldn't do, not even for. That is so nice. Like, seriously. I wouldn't even do that for some people that I love. Like, I'm not spending <laughs> the whole day in the hospital. It's fucking gross, and you end yeah. up contracting shit. I don't from think the anyone ER. loves the hospital, so that just proves. And how I'm gonna great be a nurse, and I don't love the hospital. That just hospitals that are gross. really proves how great Dorothy. She was really a really was. good person. So she. I've never the- met a Dorothy. I've never liked. And it's weird because it's such a not popular name these days. Guys, but... name your kids Dorothy because yeah. I'll never have one. Yeah, absolutely. If you have a kid named Dorothy, email us and we'll just we'll, we'll tell him. Yeah, about I would. Uh, it's one of those Virtual classic hug. names that should come back. And like... because my favorite movie is well, I don't think anybody knows this. It's The Wizard of Oz. So there we go. Mm-hmm. It's always been my favorite mm-hmm. movie. But super awesome person, Dorothy. She spends all day and night at the hospital with him and Pam. Pam is also awesome for doing that. Yep. It's like 11 p.m. and he's finally getting discharged from the hospital with the prescription. Turns out. He got bitten by a black widow spider, Whoa. which is one of my biggest fears. I fucking Whoa. hate spiders. Anything with more than four legs, and is I'm unnatural. the total opposite. I no, you're not love... scared of anything. Christy is fearless. Uh, yeah, except one thing, but we'll talk about that. We're later not going to talk about that because you know, once you tell it's people you're scared great... of something, we're going to get emails of that, and I'm not going to do it. And I'm not just that; of it. it's definitely something that we'll discuss later in the podcast oh, yes, because sure. it is uh, it's happened before. With pro, like there is a profile serial killer that has done this exact thing that I'm yeah, horrified. So we'll save of. that before we we discuss so. later on. Today we're just sticking to daddy issues. <laughs> so before leaving the hospital, the own, Dorothy goes to the bathroom. Pam waits with Conrad, and must stress this as a detail later in the story. This is the only time that Dorothy is separated from Pam. The entire time they're in the hospital, she's with her, except for this time where she goes to the bathroom. Right after she does that, she insists that they go to the pharmacy right next door to the hospital to get his prescription filled. She tells Pam, take him to take him to the, the, the pharmacy. I'm going to go get my car from the parking lot. I don't want him walking in this condition. Spider bites are crazy, so of course he's probably feeling like shit and really weak. Oh yeah. So they're in the pharmacy for like five minutes while, you know, Dorothy goes and gets the car and they assume, you know, we're going to be outside and she's going to be waiting with the car. So they walk there, they wait there. She doesn't show up. She's not outside. She's taking forever. They decide we're going to walk to the space where her car was parked. Suddenly, as they're walking, her car is driving towards them at an incredibly high speed. Lights are on full beam, partially blinding them. And they're like waving their arms in the air, trying to get her attention. Like, hey, like you're driving straight towards us. Yeah. And I've actually experienced that. A friend of ours during the 4th of July a few years ago, her, um, I won't say the name, but she is a mutual friend. And um her now ex-boyfriend, who is Thank infamously God. an asshole, um, did pretty much the same thing to us. As... It's got to be one of the scariest things ever because it's like one of those things where you don't know what to do and you freeze and yeah. it's like you're thinking about the fact that you're going to And he, that was horrifying. It was one of the scariest moments of my life because I'm like, this person can literally kill me right now. And you don't think about that 
you're just thinking, what the hell's going on? What am I going to do to right. not die right now? Right. Like frozen it, in that spot. It was, it was and the craziest thing. And that's essentially like thing. what they're doing. They're literally sitting there and like, you think, your if it was me, I would totally jump out of the way. You don't. You yeah. don't jump out of the way. It's, it's this, you would think so, but you're just in such this weird panic. So I can't even imagine him being sick with the spider bite. Right. And you're sitting his there waving your arms, flailing around. Roll around in yeah. a car. And this happens. It's, it's nuts. And so they're doing that. They're like waving their arms in the air, trying to get her attention. The driver never stops, but the vehicle ends up swerving past them erratically and makes this super sharp turn out of the parking lot. Um, so they're, they're really confused by what just happened, of course, um, but they think maybe an emergency came up and she has to go get her son. Right, and right. So they actually wait at the hospital for two hours thinking that she might come back. That's insane. She doesn't ever come back. They're, it's like two o'clock in the morning. She doesn't come back. So they get worried and they decide to call her parents and ask if they've had any contact with her, but they hadn't. So at this point, that's when Dorothy's. So we're making the assumption at this point, this guy abducted her, and this exactly. was exactly because at this point, it's like I mean, I don't think they know about the phone calls, but right. we know. We right? know as as, as passing at the evidence, we're assuming at this point she's not trying to run over her friends. We're assuming the five minutes she was disconnected from her friends at the hospital, this guy somehow took her into her own car and drove towards their friends and took this woman away and never to be seen again. That's essentially yeah. what we're assuming at this point. Well, so. it gets a little bit crazier. So at this point, they report her missing. At 5 a.m., Dorothy's car was discovered up in flames in a back alleyway about 10 miles from the hospital. But Dorothy's body isn't in there. It's just her car. Um, So they, you know, do some search parties because in the 80s, that's what you did. Search parties. They were conducted for days. She's not found. Wow. Um, Her parents get worried. And then Dorothy's mother receives a phone call from a man saying that he murdered her. So he confesses to the mother. What a sick... Because, you know, let's call the mom and torture her because she's not already Yeah, because it's not enough that she's already missing and she's petrified. Yeah. So they the, they call the police at this point when the call was made. Um, but lovely 80s logic. Um, the cops actually tell them, don't release any details about her disappearance. Don't say anything about the phone call. Don't tell the media. You guys need to have an upper hand and steer clear of false confessions. So don't say anything. Your daughter's just missing. See, and that's one of the reasons, like, I'm super terrified to be a parent. Because if somebody said that to me, I wouldn't care if it was whichever president of the United States is saying it at that time. I would give them a giant middle finger, or her. Sorry, it's going to happen one day. It'll happen. Um, give them the giant middle finger and do what yeah, I have like, to do. Yeah, it's like, fuck you, I'm telling like, whatever I want. I think our mentality as a society has changed so much since then. Because back in the day... People would listen to the cops like that. Like now, everyone posts something on Twitter. They record cops saying things to them. So it's just like for us, it makes no sense when we hear it. But the '80s was a completely different time. We were we were we were either either born at this point, or we were minus as far as our parents. Some some wise people have explained to me how the things were, and I have family that were in the military, so they know how things were at the time. Like you just did, you just trusted what they said. And anybody, which I'm sure anybody listening to this has some sort of obsession with this. Any when you hear about these cases that went on in the 70s and 80s, most of them had some sort of fucked up police work. Mm -hmm. Almost every freaking case because they probably could have been caught early if they just fucking listened. Because cops, the the cops were not trained with that kind of stuff back in the day. Serial killers were like a pedophile all that stuff was just like new terminology yeah like and i'm sure world. everyone that is listening to this we're gonna have a we're gonna have a recommendation on our on our website www.theeriamericas.com we are gonna put up like our recommendations of books and of things to watch on netflix because that's what we do, we do. All the time. We talk about all the and um, you, you know anyone that's watched mindhunters they'll tell you they didn't even have like, a name for a serial killer right. or exactly. a name 
for someone that's a stalker or a name for... They didn't even know what stalking was. Like, they didn't know any of this. Like, in the 80s, they had... Yeah. There was no such thing as there stalking. Was, you called up the cops and said you had a stalker. Everybody they, at they the time it. basically walked around in sunglasses and You got just, in people's cars. You trusted your neighbors. Your yeah, kids went out alone. You hitchhiked everywhere. Which is why, like, nowadays you hear about all these stories about the Bundys where they got people in the cars and they're like, how would you get in the car? That's just the time. Yeah. You trusted people. You, you got didn't in have car. a phone to get Uber. There's these things there that have... No there are the day-to-day things in our lives that we take for granted that we don't consider because now we can say, well, I would have done this and I would have done that. It not was a different lifestyle. Know. And not just yeah. that. If Dorothy's mother is anything like Dorothy because Dorothy was a notoriously sweet, docile, nice person, her mother would be having the same attitude and say, okay, they're going to find her. They're going to do the right thing. We're right. going to figure this out. You know, she had her, her trust in the right. system. Which explains why and they actually end up listening to the cops. And as minority, as a, well, half minority and minority women... <laughs> I'm a Havsy, but we do not trust the police. So, um, you know, it's also that kind of attitude. Like for us, uh, you know, we grew up in a time in Brooklyn when no one snitched. Nobody talks to the cops. It, it's not. Oh, this, yeah. You don't there's talk. no everyone kept their mouth shut. They were you would read something in the newspaper. Even if you had a tip, you shut up. You know, like there's a there was there's a lot of distrust in the police, too. And I feel like a lot of people at this time also that could have helped probably felt the same way, probably. you know, and, and there's that there's that hesitation of do I give people that aren't going to do anything with this information anything you know right uh, it, it was one of those odd times where everyone was just like always in this like cloud of doubt and that's kind of what it seems like on a criminal level i'm not talking about the 80s everyone walked around you know listening to duran duran and you know <laughs> buying crappy camaros and you know yeah going to tennis clubs i'm not saying that's all of the 80s but on a criminal level this was very very amateur at best at the time yeah so, they didn't even have like task like, right. they, didn't, they didn't have any. Right. So when they get told by the cops, like, hey, don't say anything, they don't. But then a week goes by, there's no results. So Dorothy's parents start to lose hope. So they decide, fuck you, we're going to report this. So they call up a local newspaper called the Santa Ana Register and offer $2,500, which at that time is a lot more than $2,500, mm-hmm. to anyone who will provide information leading to her whereabouts, dead or alive. So now that the story is in the public eye, there's this editorial manager from the newspaper called Pat Riley, and she receives... I think it's a she. But Pat Riley receives a phone call on June 12, 1980, which at this point now, it's been a couple weeks that Dorothy's been missing. Um, the name is Caller, calls up the editorial uh, manager and goes, I killed her. I killed Dorothy Scott. She was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. So, you so know, the cops must- do nothing, say nothing, they get nothing. The minute that this is in the newspaper, boom, there's a phone call. Shocker, shocker. But you know what? Honestly, I was because I was wondering like what would be the tipping point where this guy would risk right the the risk of being in a public place stealing her in front right. of week maybe he was leaning into her and that drove him nuts because if she was somebody that just took took care of her kid and didn't right. have a relationship and, and wasn't around like, another man and this guy is so insane that he thinks that he's in love with her and right. he so he loves That's her so love, much so that he wants to chop her into pieces. Right. So seeing any man touch her would probably drive him insane right so maybe he saw something like that maybe and she went on a date recently because she did date occasionally or maybe he saw nothing and he made this all up in his head you don't I, know because this guy's clearly lunatic. clueless with what real life is right. so 
you don't want to take anything slightly. he might be thinking, but I like to kind of put myself in that perspective of the person and just right. kind of be like, maybe that's what he saw and that triggered and that moment. Yeah, he just, or maybe that was the plan was just that night I'm going to get her regardless. Who knows? You know what I mean? Or like, he's just one of those people that he's, I'm going to blame the victim. So, hey, she's cheating on me and that's why I killed her. Yep. Yeah, could be that. Um, so then he went on to relate intimate details about the night of her disappearance that wasn't released to the public. So he's basically, he acknowledged the fact that her coworker had a spider bite. He said that she was wearing a red scarf. But the thing that he says that's kind of like really, really fucking creepy is he states that Dorothy called him from the hospital hours before she disappeared. So now you have to really think about this guy's mental state because it's like, how much are you making up of this little relationship in your head that you're going to tell the cops? Oh, yeah, she totally called me from the hospital. She did not she didn't call you. And like, we, and the cops actually who- know that you didn't call her because you were with she was with that woman, Pam, the whole time. Homie. She never left it. Homie, newsflash, if you're somehow still alive and you're listening to this. You are fucking insane because Dorothy never called you because she had no fucking clue who you are. And that's that. Right. Like, how the fuck would she have called you if she didn't know who you were? When did she call you when she was with Pam the whole time? And with what? Because there were no cell phones. Where did she go to call you? You're going to so, step out of a payphone to go talk to your stalker? No way. I remember payphones. Yeah. So, you know, now. Yeah, look those up, kids. Oh, yeah. There were there were things. There were call phones and they have There's boards. like one in Midtown Manhattan left. I Is think that's about it. Stop? Yeah. Maybe he was smarter than we think because mm. now, even with those details of that night proving that he was there, now he's throwing this detail you know didn't happen. And I was like, well, was he really there? Because that's basically even so the though cops, he, yeah. So the cops took it as like it could be a lie because right. he made this up, this one lie. But so it makes did, everything. They were uh, they were under the impression they're like we're pretty sure she didn't make this call, mm. and primarily because she was with Pam the whole day, and the only time they got separated was in the bathroom for right. a couple seconds. Right. So now after receiving, so now you know the mom also got a call in the beginning. So after she received that initial call. Right after the disappearance, she went on to receive a call every Wednesday, which is also the day that we release our podcast every week, every Wednesday for four years, four fucking years. This guy calls every Wednesday to torture that mother. This is insane. Like, and it's so crazy because these days that would be such a simple tracking system. If you know definitively at this time, every week, it would be such a simple solution now. And like, it just goes to show you like, you can't get away with shit anymore because there's so many ways of to getting caught. Get so now, there's some... Don't this, do it is what I'm saying. Yeah, just don't fucking do it. <laughs> if make you were contemplating life, doing it, don't fucking do it Make now. everyone's life easier, including yourself. Just don't do it. Don't do it. So now, this is basically like when I was doing the research for this, this caller would never call when, the, when like the father was home. It only called the mother. And what he would do is he would call... And sometimes he would say, hi, you related to Dorothy? And she would reply, would reply, yes. He would be like, I've got her and hang up. So or he, other days so he, he would, pretended he wouldn't right, recognize her voice. Right. Or he would call he and say, hey, did you related to Dorothy? Yes, I killed her and then hang up. But I read in like certain you know articles that he never called when the father was around. I think he was afraid to get the father on the phone mm. um, because he's obviously a fucking punk. Daddy um, issues too. Yeah, he definitely has daddy issues. So that's what he would do. So then... The mother, of course, tells the police and they record, they install a voice recording device, right. hoping they can track the call. But back in the 80s, you had to literally be on that phone for like minutes for them to track the phone mm-hmm. call. Mm-hmm. So, of course, mm-hmm. they were never able to track it because he would hang up the minute that he, he would just call up, say, hey, I've got her, I killed her, and he would hang up. So, yeah. it was That'd not enough, enough to track it. And even then, maybe not. But, uh, you know, back then, it was impossible. And like, you can't keep somebody on the phone who's a psychopath who just says four things to you and hangs up. Right. So, so there's like no conversation to be right. had there. So now, 
this is August of 1984. Dorothy's been missing for four years. A construction worker discovers dog remains at Santa Ana Canyon Road, which is approximately 13 miles away from the hospital that they took Conrad to. Um, So he discovers these dog remains, and then when, when it's being dug up, they unearth another set of remains that belong to Dorothy, along with a turquoise ring and a wristwatch that has stopped at 12.30 a.m. on May 29, 1980, which was about an hour after her disappearance. Um, an autopsy was conducted, but the medical examiner was unable to provide a cause of death due to the state of the remains. Of course, But of course, they know that foul play is involved. So over the years, there have really been no conclusive breakthroughs. Um, there is circumstantial evidence that does point to someone. His name is Mike Butler, Mike who was the Butler. brother of a female co-worker that worked alongside her in some articles i also hear that because there was this uh shop that her parents once owned mm-hmm. and there was a lot of other things in the area he might have been someone that worked relatively close to the shop that might have been able to see her while he was at work but i haven't really found too much to confirm that but that's also could have been a possibility like if you're if he's working somewhere where you were close to or took your car or something like that could have easily absolutely and that's you. such an easy way to disguise it because if you see the car you're like oh we work in the same lot right, or exactly. we, you know, we, we have the same schedule. It's so easy to dismiss those things. Like I was joking around today with, um, like my husband, Charlie and I went to the gym prior today for one of the first times ever in the new year. Woohoo. Hey, and, <laughs> I haven't done it yet. and so we went to the gym and, um, I binge watched that show you on Netflix. Oh, I saw it recently and it's so fucking And creepy. yeah, so it's kind of parallel to this kind of situation, except he was across the street when we, I left the gym first and then he followed. So he's texting me and I'm like, Hey, let's meet on on this block so he's across the street from me and i'm watching him he's not he has zero notice of me because of course watching him as soon as he's out of the gym he's eating something because my husband has to eat every four hours like an infant and so and he's and he's skinny and he's all bone so (laughs) we love you charles anyway (laughs) so so we're like so we're across the street and he's walking about across the street from me about 10 paces or so so i take a picture of him because i could tell he's not finding me (laughs) and i'm like i feel like the guy in you and that's like literally (laughs) what i sent him because i was just like i this is so easy he had zero clue that i was watching him he had zero clue he was busy and eating people, his like, food living his life and you never always know when they're on taking a picture now. and they could totally be fucking recording you this Absolute, whole time you have no it's idea so and then people scary. are also oblivious so you're like on your phone and not realizing that someone follows uh, you absolutely. unless you're like me who is super paranoid Absolutely. And I always yeah. think everybody's following. Oh me. yeah, I I walk around all the time with that whole '90s stranger danger kind of mentality. Like that's just who I am. Like I I I'm one of the most friendly people you'll meet. But when you first meet me, you might be like, "Wow, she's a little standoffish," because I'm just trying to like figure you out. Like I just I, I'm not nice, and I'm never gonna be nice, <laughs> and I'm never gonna trust you. I trust she's, no one. You know what you're like? You're like an Eminem. You have a hard shell. And then <laughs> you go on the inside and she's all chocolate. And then I go on the inside and I'm all chocolate with daddy. Yeah, shoes. exactly. Um, Unless you have a peanut allergy because she's the peanut kind. So. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> who the hell wants to just eat a regular M&M? I mean, Besides just my have some chocolate. Just have some, it's what it is. You're eating dye and chocolate. That's what well, it I is. Well, I want some with a hard peanut case. in my dye Maybe and chocolate. Maybe a little shelly case. That's about no, So want, you're getting I, it for texture, essentially. I really want some peanut. So yeah, Mike Butler. Um, actually, well, I don't know if this is good or bad. He actually died in 2014 of pancreatic cancer, which is like good for you, but he also didn't face justice. And something that I read in an article was saying that he might've been part of some cult activity and that's why they found dog remains when they found Dorothy's Mm. remains. But yeah, Mike Butler died. Fuck you. Fortunate that he died and didn't get caught. Exactly. That's that's because one of the other things besides being that is that 
all according to acquaintances, because fuckers like that don't have friends, he had an unhealthy obsession with Dorothy. So, you know, he did it. Hmm. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Um, there is no proof of that, but I'm saying he fucking did it. Yeah. But unfortunately, there was... Sorry, Butler family, but... Oh, yeah, but we think he Mike we Butler think he was it. a murderer. Um, or Michael, whatever, because, you know, Michael's scarier. Yeah, Michael was scary. Michael like Michael Myers. Mike. Yeah, I mean, I my friend Michael. I I call him Michael because he prefers it, but I just changed to Spanish and he's Miguel because I just I find Michael creepy. creepy. And sounds... like it's also like it's also the Halloween guy's fault. And yeah. there's so many Michaels in the world, so I'm I'm sorry for anyone listening named Michael. We're gonna rename you. Yeah, you're gonna be Mike, or I'm gonna come up with a new nickname for you. Or I'm gonna ask you your middle name because a it's there's too many Mikes, Michaels, and, and B, B. Latinos like to give everybody a nickname. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, unfortunately, though, there's, like, literally almost no evidence tying him to there besides him being creepy and being obsessed with her. Um, They don't have enough evidence to arrest him or even consider him a suspect. And Dorothy's family, unfortunately, of course, so heartbroken, they try to separate themselves from the entire situation. So they kind of, like, you know, don't really talk about it. But on April 23rd, 1994, which is Dorothy's birthday, her father passes away at the age of 69. Eight, year, eight years later in 2002, her mother passes away. So they both get, they pass away without ever getting any answers. Any justice. Well, but why did I think justice? her son, who has, because he was raised by great people, because they raised Dorothy, so they must be great. He did have a meaningful life. You know, he, he was, he, he grew up really, really well, of course. Do we know his son's name? Sean. Shout out to you, Sean. Um, and your mother's still, not forgotten. Your mom is awesome. You're, but he still pursues justice for his mom, so he's still, like, keeping up with the case. Good. But it's been about... You got your back. Let us know what we can do. Right? Is it, Can we be one of those podcasts that leads to them finding out whether the fuck Mike Butler did that? That would be cool. I would be down to do some investigations. That yeah, would be really right. cool. Um, but it's been close to 39 years since her abduction and murder, and it's still unsolved, unfortunately. Wow, that's a crazy story. Um, we still think my butler did. So that's um, the case of Miss Dorothy Jane Scott, and um, I hope the Scott family finds some semblance of peace. We know that this topic is pretty tough, and it's you know and, it's heavy, and you know we, we want people to walk away, even though we're gonna crack jokes and you know this that. We we still want people to understand that someone's life was impacted by this, multiple people's lives, and uh, oh, the police that took all their time and investigating and there's so much that goes into this when people disappear in the community you'd be shocked like the amount of people that come out of their communities and volunteer um, during these situations like props to all of you out there like you guys are bad asses but as brooklynites even though i always hated that like i feel like it's not cool enough but <laughs> well we're from brooklyn so we're super cool now so we're brooklynites as brooklynites anyone that either was raised here or lived here long enough or has friends that are from brooklyn our saying is who does that so it's it's a very brooklyn thing um you're telling a story and it's a crazy story whether it happened to you whether it happened to a co-worker whether it happened to you know fulano fulana that's, that's that means for our non-spanish speaking people that's kind of like john or jane doe you know it's telling a story and you end with who does that the segment we want to do so every at the end of the show we're going to do a who does that segment who does that who does that Boy, do I have a doozy for you in the new year. So this actually happened. Florida! Yes. Everything happens in Florida. Any Floridians listening? Yeah, my mother and my brother are in Florida. And Florida is, I don't care what anyone says. I live there. I will say it. It's it's America's basement. Like, just from the humidity to the crazy people that invented smoking bath salts to (laughs) anything that has come out of Florida. There's always crazy stories in Florida, and here is one for you. So a group of four men, night before New Year's Eve, had decided 
we're accused. I'm sorry, because, you know, here it's innocent you're until proven guilty, guilty in America. Unless you're us and we just think Or you're really poor. Or you're a minority. <laughs> or you're a woman. Oh, well, these are actually a minority. These four men are accused of stealing half a million dollars in tequila. Specifically <laughs> Patron. I mean, so, um, according to uh, CBS Local Miami, sheriff deputies in Florida have recovered a half a million dollars in stolen tequila. Hillsborough Sheriff spokesman Danny Alvarez said in news release that on Sunday night, a truck driver hauling the load of tequila had stopped for dinner at a Tampa truck stop when he noticed the trailer was no longer attached to his truck. So... <laughs> You know, you're sitting there eating, and you're like, "Holy hell, where the, where the fuck did my Where's my go? supplies? Like, oh my god, my boss well, is gonna you murder knew, me." Well, you also knew you had a half a million dollars worth. Yeah, of I mean, you're responsible for that as the truck driver, you know. So that must have been petrifying. Like, I can't even. Also, who didn't hear them stealing a fucking trailer? I have zero zero idea. So it says deputies began searching and found the semi trailer at a nearby intersection. So these guys didn't even go really <laughs> far. You guys suck at this. You, like, you didn't make it anywhere. Ever. Yeah. Did you just see a trailer that said Patrona? You were like, yes, let's do this. There's no other explanation I, I for this. I feel like that was the thought process. No thought went behind Because you don't like, go after you think about this mission. You know, you see the Italian job. You see all these shows, all these movies that's like all these spy shows. You don't stop at a nearby intersection. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where they watched four men transferring the cases of tequila to another box truck. Alvarez says that the deputies, uh, the deputies moved in. The men had transferred over 20 cases from the fully loaded truck. That was worth... Five hundred and seven thousand dollars. Five. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm wrong about that. I'm really bad at math. You're gonna learn this. How do I say this? It's five hundred seven thousand one hundred five dollars. There we go. Woohoo! Okay. Yay! Math dyslexia. Boop boop. Um. So yeah, over half a million dollars worth of tequila. So that's definitely grand, grand, grand larceny. <laughs> right. So, so. But you realize, like, you're gonna go to jail for stealing fucking patrol. <laughs> like, can you imagine just, like sitting in jail and like you get there and you're like, so what are you in for? And, like, I murdered somebody. What are you in for? I stole a lot of patrol. And don't get me wrong, we are. Latins, we love our Patron, but Patron is like what you drink in college as a Latin woman. Like it's not. It's what the I drink best. when there's nothing else available. <laughs> it's not the best tequila. There is literally better tequila sitting in my closet right now. So, so it's just insane that that's gonna be on four men's records, and they were but all it's Hispanic. From Florida. Um, yeah, but beyond that, they're Floridians. So, so that's something that we, we have to come and expect here. all of here. the angry emails from Yes, sorry, Florida. I'm going to stick by what I said. And I can say this because I live there. It's not like I'm going to say it because I don't care. There I, we go. Florida's weird. But I've experienced... I do go to Florida, though, because you guys have Harry Potter World and Universal. So I'm always going to go to Florida because... I would love her. And this is where she and I differ. Like, she's all about, like, Disney and Game of Thrones. And I'm like, no. So I... <laughs> Literally, that's all you get out of Christy when it comes to Harry Potter or Game of Thrones. She's like, no. Um, no. I was a Lord yeah. of the Rings fan in high school, and that's, like, the Lord extent of, the of my nerd fest with that kind of stuff. Um, yes, you're all nerds. All of you. The fact that on a Sunday night, everyone stays home and watch Game of Thrones to me is just absurd. I'm going to well, say Well, what else it. would I do on a Sunday? I don't go anywhere. I'm, I'm going to go to the Statue I'm gonna of let Liberty. This, would that gonna feel better? This, I'm going to let this out now just to get it out of the way. I am one of the ten people on the planet that don't watch Game of Thrones. So when it starts, the the Thank whoever you believe that this is the the series finale, right? Like we're finally over oh, yeah, this, this, right? This is the last season. I'm yes. so upset about it. Thank you. It. Thank you, I'm just going to find something else to watch. Thank you, TV gods, because if this one more person around the world tells me to watch the show, I'm going to kill them. Like, I will literally be... If Vicky's Chrissy gonna, ever gets arrested for murder, we're going to have to edit Vicky's this out gonna of the podcast. Have, Vicky's going to have to host herself and tell my story because I'm going to kill somebody. If one more person tells me to watch... How about this? People that don't watch Game of Thrones... Email. Email me, and we will collectively do something together that night. We'll, we'll pick a Netflix, Hulu, and just universally just give them extra... 
$10 or whatever they get from Netflix to just find something or we'll watch something live together. I don't care. But anyone that doesn't watch a Game of Thrones, feel free to email us, the eerie Americas at, at gmail. gmail. Please feel free if you have a problem so with the fact. all two of the people who are going to email us about Game of Thrones could all hang out with Christy on Sunday while she exactly. edits. Thank you so much for checking out our first podcast. There's a ton of people to thank. So, yeah, so we have a, well, for me anyway, I have a real love-hate relationship with New York City. I think most New Yorkers do, but the one upside to living here is all the insanely talented group of individuals and creative people that we get to be blessed to meet and encounter and um it includes helping out with this podcast so so much support marlon almonte thank you so much for making our incredible website the eerieamericas.com everybody go check it out he's amazing he's amazing he is also an amazing dj he has his own dj company touch of sound uh, top rated on the knot for years in a row just super talented it's not even fair shout out to him to nikki his wife who i'm sure she had sp- to deal with had him to deal with him being care the on baby. the website and not paying attention to sophia so shout out to you guys too we also have to thank uh jessica laflame the person with the coolest last name on the planet when you first told me that was her name i was like that's not her real name because like that name is just too badass like it's just too cool changing our last name to Laflame yeah if I get to rename me I uh, hope you don't mind Jess I'm gonna take your last name Laflame and so. I'm I tagged her in our photo on Instagram of our logo so she's that if super you ever talented need, I also want to personally thank my awesome co-host for making that really really dope intro music uh yeah I it was actually surprisingly easy thanks to foundation.com i found that website not an ad we just really like you yeah it was great um we also have to thank my good friend aaron brandis he also helped me mix it make it sound audible um that was super helpful so thank you aaron you are the best too and i gotta thank vicky as well because without her i would just be sitting here talking to myself like a crazy person about serial killers she still talks to her i'm not even here this is a lie she's yeah but you know she makes me less insane so uh (laughs) yeah it's really awesome to have someone to share this with otherwise you really kind of feel weird which is how i felt my whole life so it's awesome to have someone else to share this with and all of you that are listening so just thank you yeah thank you for being the um the fearless freaks that we are um that can be here and be honest and you know admit that we're into the dark and it's okay it's but um we would ask that you subscribe give us a five-star review if you like what you hear listen in every wednesday and before i forget at the end of every episode i'll probably remind you but we are going to be putting photographs on our instagram the eerie americas of all of our cases any pictures that we find um just so you guys can get familiar with it so please check it out every wednesday bye bye